welcome to yet another scintillating episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast, coming to you live, practically live, from high above the Mellow Mushroom in metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee, where parking is in short supply. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm your host, People Nate don't Martin. have jobs. <laughs> here with, here with uh, Newton Dominey. <laughs> Uh, how long did it take you to find a parking space? Uh, about 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. and you I guys about are so like, is, is there is a parking garage a block away from you. Are you saying that is filled? It, yes. it, is, it is full, and there was a line in the turn lane to pull in. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what? Is Christmas vacation before. started there? It's getting freaking crazy down here. Everybody wants to come to Franklin. It's a problem. People, stop it. Uh, <laughs> yes, we, we appreciate your tax dollars, but please go away. <laughs> we don't need any more of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so people are moving there, or is it just a Christmas thing? No, apparently they're moving here because, yeah, traffic uh, traffic around commute time has just become a nightmare getting yeah. everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, as soon as, as soon as the time changes. Aaron, this may not be a California phenomenon, but at least in Nashville, <clears throat> when the time changes... Traffic immediately goes to hell. It just—it's awful. Yeah, yeah. Like it gets dark an hour earlier, and people don't know what to do. They think it's Armageddon, and so they all flock <laughs> to the streets, and it, it's a nightmare. Um, Darkness has fallen on the right, world. Yeah. Right. Arm- it's this year's Armageddon every year. It's, it's, <laughs> yep, that's true. It's, it's, now, yeah. How now, how does your uh, travel time, your commute time down there from uh, Spring, Hill? The Spring Hill, change, Mondo? Uh. Coming to town is terrible yeah. you know, in the morning. Uh, I have to take a back route. It's a little longer. It's that uh, Carter's Creek. Or yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I take that, man, because, it's, it's an, again, it's a nightmare. And it starts at 3. Wow. Like 3 like three to 6, you just, you just hang it up, brother. It, it, you're going to be sitting there, figure out something to do, call people back. You know, like. Call, Sometimes they'll listen to podcasts. Yeah, call yeah. your dad because, you know, you've been avoiding them all week, so now you got time to talk. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, this uh, is why I, I'm grateful that I get to live in downtown Franklin, which, and I don't have to travel someplace yeah. else to work. Right, right. I, yeah, I texted Nate and said, parking sucks. His reply was, that's why I walk. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, All right, traffic and weather on the tins here on Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> Crossing the street is such a pain during rush hour when you're walking. Yeah, 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 yeah. you got to wait a little longer there. <sighs> Little white yeah. hand comes up. Uh, it's good to hear your voice out there, Aaron. This is, by the way, for any new listeners might be joining us this week. Uh, that's the sterling voice of Aaron Porter, the Commodore, our co-host from the left coast, uh, out there in San Luis Obispo, California. We missed you last week. We managed to do a show, a singularly fine show, by the way, in your absence. But we did miss you. What was going on last Wednesday? Oh, I was uh, getting to teach at that uh, college down in L.A. again that's using uh, my sole architecture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Work for their textbook. Their, yeah. Their last class of the year. Uh, so it was, it was fun to get to go down and see what happened. But uh, I wanted to bring up, remember about what, a year and a half ago, there was that big article put out about the happiest places on Earth? Yeah. yeah. And San Luis, was, San Luis was number three on the planet, number one in the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a new article I just saw this morning. Have you seen it? The best college towns in the country. Oh, wow. you guys have got a rank. San Luis, number three. Really? Yeah. What was number yeah. one and two? 
You know, there were I think they were both in Virginia. Huh. Yeah. I, I would have to look. I didn't. I didn't care about them, but <laughs> yeah, uh, right. yeah. I, you know, you're bringing up traffic and things like that. I thought I should probably bring up this article that you know they researched and. Thanks for bringing good. that up. I yeah. feel great about you're myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. 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 So it's good. It's good out here. I, I missed you guys last week, but it was. Uh, it was good, except I did get uh, some kind of stomach flu on the drive. So, luckily, Dane was with me. So it was a lot of pulling over the car and leaping out and throwing up all over the side of the road. And uh, there, uh, there are embarrassing places to be like puking your guts out, like in the gutter on a main street of a town type yeah. places. Yeah. I, I just felt like the the local hobo or something that mm. stumbled out of the bar at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, so I'm I'm over that though. No yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything new here, man? What's what's cooking? Uh, I bought my first Christmas tree. <clears throat> I've been married fourteen years, almost fourteen years in February. Wait, what? We yeah, we don't have kids, and we we always like do Christmas at another family member's house. So sure. with four dogs, I mean, it's just it'd be a mess. Like you yeah. know, pee all over the tree skirt or whatever. But I had what a car- are you talking about? How bad are your dogs? Well, they just if, all over- we've got little dogs, and they just they would they would treat it like a like, pee, a, like, like a an outdoor pad. tree. Yeah, yeah, like like an outdoor tree, like yeah. mainly the tree skirt, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so on Friday, I kind of had a Clark Griswold moment where I was <laughs> ten o'clock on Friday night was like, you know, after a long list of expletives, I'm going to Walmart and I'm buying a Christmas tree. <laughs> And I bought this little ten dollar three foot job that looks great, um, oh. and it, it was it was a lot. Of, it, it was cool. So I'm officially in the Christmas spirit. Oh. Um, now, now, come on! If that was a Griswold thing, you go to a Walmart and cut down one of their trees. <laughs> well, yeah. no, but here's, so here's the funny. Like, well, I think the way I got the tree for the price, it, it was like ten bucks on Walmart's website. Yeah. And I got there, and it was twenty bucks. And as I had learned on Friday, Walmart doesn't price match their website. I don't get it, but they don't. Um, I'm on niacin, right, yeah. for cholesterol stuff, and yeah. I had just taken it, and my face was kind of flush. <laughs> and so when I asked the customer service manager, like, why can't you just do this? If not, I'm going to buy it on my phone, and then I'll hang out a couple of hours, <laughs> and I'll just come pick it up. Yeah. And I think he thought I was so upset because my face was red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gave me... He gave me the discount, um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of it was comical. Yeah. Um, here I am in the checkout line, haggling over a ten dollar three foot Christmas tree. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I got my deal, and yeah, I'm happy. Eggnog and white Christmas, yeah. So nice. Yeah. Are you all Christmas up, uh, Mondo? Uh, unfortunately, no. No. <laughs> we. Uh, this year, what is the, wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah, I told, I told my kids, I said, let's go on the, the, on the apartment balcony and look at all the Christmas trees God put outside just for us. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, Dad, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, are you kidding? So, but uh, yeah, we, we're not for some reason, man. I mean, we, the, the Christmas season snuck up on us. Yeah. Um, but I, I am going to. It's a different day yeah, this year. Cause, cause just, 
December came after October this year. <laughs> yeah, really exactly. Went, you know, I am going to put a little blitz on the next few days. Oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, the kids are going to be with me for the next week, so yeah. where I'm going to actually include them and have them help me, you know, do some little decorations and stuff like that. And we'll, we'll probably put a blitz on tomorrow on Friday and yeah. and get up. But, yeah, it just, just snuck up on me, man. I mean, I, I honestly, honestly have not thought about it. Wow. Well, I'm married to Allie Larkin. Uh, That's what I hear. For whom, you know, Christmas is a high holy day. It really is. It's got, uh, the, the, so she starts thinking about it early, and um, she has a, a vast and varied collection of Christmas-themed decorations. For the uh, and um, she thinned it down. Actually, it's only like about eighteen or nineteen boxes now. So Allie is the reason that I can buy Christmas ornaments after July fourth. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and she likes to really take her time uh, decorating the tree. Thankfully, I can't do it right. <laughs> Because no matter what I put on, it's going to be in slightly. It's going to be slightly out of place. She's going to have to change it. So as long as I can get the tree in the door, get it upright, get you know, get some water in the stand. Um, she does need my assistance getting the lights on the tree. Although she'll move them all around, and then after that, thank God, I'm excused. Um, and but she'll take several days, uh, you know, to put all the decorations on in layers. Wow, uh, we got a very heavily decorated and gorgeous, gorgeous tree. Yeah, I remember growing up, and my dad would just be sitting on the couch. He would never participate. My mom and I, my sister, but a lot, a lot of my mom and I was younger. Yeah, decorating, and I remember thinking, like, what is wrong with him that this doesn't seem fun? Like, yeah. this is Christmas decorating time. Now as a dad, yeah, yeah. I sit on the couch and tell the boys, boys, go help your mom. Yeah, boys, yeah. go get that box downstairs. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm still thinking, what's wrong with me? Why isn't this fun? But it's not. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a male gene. Well, I think part of because you know if you do it, it's going to get redone. So it's like, we're, and, we're, and, and guys, we're all about maximizing our time. Right? That's right. Exactly. So it's like, why do it twice when all I got to do is sit my tail on the couch? That's right. Why you, watch you do it one time? That's it. It just makes more sense. I, I mean, I, I, like I wind up the toy and let it go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, we got a little bit of mail in the mailbag. Uh, why don't we open that in a second when we come back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast? We're back in the Pirate Muck Podcast. We got some mail this week. We'll read a couple of uh, representative letters. Uh, here's one. Hey, Nate, Mondo, and Newton. Just done listening to the podcast on the interview with Mr. X. I think that's one of the most powerful podcasts I've heard. And Mondo, your reflections on where you were at, the, uh, where you were at then, and where you are now, was whoa, such whoa, a whoa, gift. whoa, whoa! This is Mr. X. Yeah, we're just throwing Mondo's name in. He identified. <laughs> yeah. He did identify himself. He came out. That's what happens oh, when you miss. Mondo came out last week as Mr. X. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I was most deeply moved by how God has led you to love those who you felt wronged you. When the show was over, I was in tears, and I believe God has things for me to explore that relate to my own life. 
Mondo, you also shared a story a while back about walking out the door at work and having someone attack you verbally. I wanted to say then, but I will tell you now, how much I appreciated what you shared about how God led you to handle that situation. Knowing your race and what that means for you living in the South only heightened to me the character you demonstrated in that situation. Heroic in my book. Newton, I also want to tell you how much I enjoy you being on the show. Your questions and comments add such great nuance to all the conversations. And Nate, uh, if you're still looking for ideas for the show, I'd love to hear more about how the Silas relationships work. Maybe a show on that topic. Somehow modeling it. And finally, I just want to say how much I enjoy the conversations you guys have on the show. The team effort is brilliant. So appreciate what you guys are doing. God's using you in my own recovery and healing. It means the world to me, fellas. Jeff. Well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, oh. Yeah, we appreciate the feedback. appreciate the encouragement. Uh, love every letter we get. Here's, here's another one. Uh, thanks, guys, for replaying last week's Mr. X interview. That interview struck a chord with me more than most, and I've been listening for a couple of years, it seems. First, because Mondo's story is similar to mine. I threw away a marriage of more than 22 years, and if I knew then what I know now, I would have identified some problems and dealt with them instead of running away. Second, because I desperately desire to have a friend, a Silas, with whom I can be honest and transparent, someone to help me walk through life. But as of now, I still don't have one. There are no Samson meetings in my area, and as much as I would like to start one, I don't have the know-how to get it started. I've been hurt by the church because of the way I was shunned after my divorce. And though I've stuck my toe in the water with a couple of groups, I haven't been plugged in in a few years. Hmm. I used to be a leader, a teacher, a musician. Anyway, thanks again for the show and all your efforts to change lives. I wanted to respond a couple days ago, he wrote, when it was fresh, but when I had so much more to say, but oh well, here it is. That's Doug in South Dakota. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Um, any reflections for you, Mondo, uh, in, in the week since we uh, since we sat down for that conversation? Yeah. Um, I went back and listened to it, mm-hmm. and um, it's fun, it's so crazy because you know we listened to the Mister X interview. Yeah. Uh, we recorded it last week's podcast, and then I spent time to listen to both. Uh huh. Right, and. Um, uh, again, found some things in myself just from listening to the two. You know, yeah. identify some areas that I probably need to focus on. And uh, but what was really interesting to me, and I think it's just amazing, the fact that these gentlemen will write in, and my story can can inspire reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause guys to to reflect and look and do some self examination regarding our own life. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of look at it like little old me yeah like how in the world does my story impact some guys i've never met yeah um so it's very humbling mm. in, in, in a lot of ways um i mean i was reading i'm like wow man like wow yeah <laughs> wow like this is you know and and, and it's it, it makes me feel good because you know you realize that man, I'm, of course you know it, but I'm, I'm not the only one going through a journey like this. Yeah. But it's it's really, it's just cool, man. It's a nice thing to hear 
that you're not alone and that some mm-hmm. other brothers walking alongside of you in their own journeys yeah. and knowing that if I share a little bit, if they share a little bit, we all share a little bit or whatever, uh, and you have your silences and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's just that company mm-hmm. um, really keeps you out of a dark place, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was really humbling to to, list, to, to read the letters and... Um, it's like, man, it's like, dude, I want to be buddies with everybody. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's really cool, man. Um, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a blessing because, you know, uh, it's just not, words can't describe how those letters made me feel when I, when I read that. You know, I think it's a great reminder of the power of story. Yeah. Uh, and we all have a gift to give to one another, which is just the honest truth about our journey, where we've been, where we are. Yeah. Uh, how we feel about it, what we've learned, what we still wonder, right. uh, and and the way out of isolation, isolation will kill anybody. The way out of it is through relationship. And when we tell our story, we open ourselves up. We make ourselves safe for relationship. Make the world a less lonely place. Uh, Jesus gets invited into those things, and change happens. It's a beautiful thing. We need to get more stories here on the on the Pyromonk podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, us doing a podcast about the silence relationship, mm-hmm. um, and maybe we can do something uh, versus just talking about it. Uh, we can maybe script something. Yeah. Uh, to be really intentional, because this is obviously this is this is probably what third, fourth, fifth, whatever yeah. time. Yeah. Someone's written in uh, requesting that we we show an example or give some sort of illustration of what does it look like. But maybe yeah. maybe we, we just have to get creative about how do we yeah. how do we uh, present that. To the guys who are who are looking for, but just don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. Well, and and uh, guys in in our group uh, on Tuesday nights have said, well, if somebody asked me, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I don't know how to be a Silas. Uh, so I think that'd be be yeah. cool. Yeah. You know? Might be time to create a new retreat too, a new training thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Focusing just on the Silas relationship. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, we're we've got we got a special guest today, we Matthew do. Paul Turner. Who we we started thinking he was a cynic, but I got to say, he had some pretty hopeful things to say. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? I mean, uh, I didn't feel pooped on. No, no. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I predict that in the conversation we will have in just a moment, <laughs> he will not be cynical. <laughs> We'll be back in just a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate fight for hate. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle, and look, break up, me hearties, yo-ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hope, break up, me hearties, yo-ho. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate fight for hate. All right, and we're back in the Pirate Monk Podcast with a very special guest. It's only taken a few years for us to get him here, but he's finally with us. Matthew Paul Turner, uh, renowned blogger, author, writer, speaker, photographer. He uh, he walks, he talks, he crawls on his belly like a reptile. Uh, and, and, and the king of all media, and new media especially. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks for joining us. 
No, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm sorry it's taken so long. I, the last time we, we started chatting about this, I was in the middle of a book deadline, and I, yeah, no, I, and I stink at returning emails. I'll just, I'll <laughs> confess, I really am awful. And you're, and the guy who is doing all the contacting he is so gracious with me, like he's very kind. So that would be Jay Spiegel, our executive producer, and he has decided that the best way to communicate with you is via Twitter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Um, many of our listeners uh, may know you through your blog, I guess recently retitled. For a long time, it was known as Jesus Needs Better PR. New PR. I mean, yeah, new PR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, I started that blog in 19, or 2005 because I had a book coming out uh, under the same title, mm-hmm. and it was um, – it, 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 the 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 term or the the phrase Jesus needs new PR, it mm-hmm. goes over people's heads sometimes, or some people take it way too seriously. Yeah. Other people, you know, other people think it's like being too mean. I don't know. It just it 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 didn't seem it 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 had it meant so many different things to different people, and so finally I just said, you know, I, I mean, I still own the, you know, own yeah, the, the domain the URL, right. but I mean. I uh, just went under my my own name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The blog, so so was, that you I could have better PR. <laughs> <laughs> I was checking it out. It is uh, it is a fine line between being uh, cynical and what would the other word be? Well, I guess cynical, <laughs> realistic, and being an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting that under cynicism. I guess there's a, I'm putting the, there's a positive word somewhere in here. So are, prophetic. Are you a cynic? Yeah, prophetic. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that's, that sounds great, Nate. Oh, that right. charismatic. I went biblical boy. on you. Yeah. You. <laughs> so are you a cynic, Matthew? Sure. Sometimes. Ooh. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that there are is, there are many things that we experience in the world of Christianity, I think that that make us cynical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, I, you know, it's not like, it's not like something that I pursue, mm-hmm. but certainly when it happens, when you watch something happen over and over and over yeah. and over again, you do become almost, um, it, it's it's like you don't it's almost like you don't care, but you do, and um, and and it's hard to it's hard to 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 work through those emotions and work through those feelings. So I mean, yeah, sure I am at times. Yeah, so uh, how people responded to that? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, um, I, I get a lot of I get a lot of mail, and I get a lot of mean spirited mail, and I get a lot of people who um, who write me and thank me and 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 are grateful and you know i because i've spoken to to that or a certain particular group of people and they have been able to engage faith again because mm-hmm. they they're reading somebody or something that just spoke their truth yeah yeah or at least brought up their truth you spend a lot of time on college campuses don't you matthew I do get on a college campus. I haven't been on a college campus in the last year because I've been in on writing, uh-huh. in writing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I speak at a lot of colleges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we, I imagine you agree with me that America is or is bec- rapidly becoming a post-Christian society. Would you say? 
Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we've been on that road for a long time. And, and it's so funny because, like, how, it, 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 how, do you, how, how would you define a post-Christian society? Well, I mean, that's the funny thing. I, I mean, I see today's uh, generation rejecting Christianity as they understand it, which is this American brand of Christianity, this, in some ways, just a caricature of the historic Christian faith. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, that can exactly. be just so goofy at times. So one of the things I love about your site is, you know, go through the archives, and it's kind of like the, the Ripley's Believe It or Not of Evangelical Christianity. <laughs> it's like, can you believe that somebody on our uh, – it's, uh, it's like playing on a losing team, and, you know, you're going into the gym just going, I'm, I really I'm, I don't want to be with these guys, but I'm with – Right. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, totally. So you feel like I, I feel like I'm apologizing for the church and trying um, a lot of the times when I'm talking to younger people, trying to um, convey the message that the Jesus they've rejected is not um, the Jesus I know. It, it, and, but reprogramming that in our heads, in our hearts, in our like that is a really hard thing to do and yeah. it's a hard it's a hard journey to make and it takes a lot of time it takes energy it takes emotion and i think that is the it's the journey to get from what you have grown up thinking or what you have rejected yeah. to this true and real and honest christ that we we want to pursue and we want to know i think that is where people get lost because yeah. there's i mean because you know i mean um, American Christianity is so is still, even though we are in a uh, you know we are pushing and moving into a, this post-Christian society, it's still the big, it's still the noise. Mm-hmm. It's still a very much a part of the noise, um, and we, you know it's uh, it's it can be overwhelming. It overwhelms me at times. I mean, you know, it's like um, because like it, it's almost shocking to think that. You know, you walk into a certain situation and you'll you'll hear a message, and it'll bring up like you'll you'll rem- immediately remember. Oh my gosh, I totally remember that from when I was like six or yeah. eight. Or, and and I'm like, how in the world are we still there? Yeah. yeah. Um. But you know, um, Nate, I I've I just I've the the book that I've been working on has been this. Um, I've gone back and really kind of focused on the historical perspective of, of America and, and how we have shaped God mm-hmm. um, and how we have kind of brought, you know, we beginning with the pilgrims and going all the way through, you know, Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell and, and really um, just kind of getting some of the story of how we altered this concept of, of who God is and, and how we interact with God. And, and, it is. It has been true since the very beginning mm-hmm. that we have um, that we are slow to let grace and mercy change us into following the true example of Christ. Yeah. Like we, you know, I mean, we've done it. It, it is a part of our uh, American faith to be dogmatic in our perspectives about God, mm-hmm. um, and and it's. Uh, so it's in, it's in our blood. It's in our spiritual blood, and in, and that and and that and unfortunately doesn't it, you know it's not going to fade easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's also what you're talking about. I think is also part of just American culture in general. 
Um, oh, you know, yeah. I think the, the I don't know, we're number one. But, you know, but and you're and you're absolutely right. But you know, in the beginning, God was the American culture in so many ways. Not in every way, but it got. You know, um, when you have a group of people who um, spearheaded so many uh, of American, so many Americanisms, like the Puritans, mm-hmm. they came over here. They, they, God was their complete and utter focus. Mm-hmm. They believed that God, you know, they they truly believed that God was using them to do something huge. Um, and so when you and and and, the, and because of that, they had the wherewithal to go in and and become the leaders of institutions, the leaders of businesses, the leaders of newspapers, and and they they you know they controlled the way of you know the American way of thinking um, for so long, and so um, we were you know our roots were rooted in that type of thinking. We're yeah. rooted in this idea that we are right and everybody else is wrong. Now, how did you get on over, come on, overcome of that? Go ahead. How, how did how did you get to the point where you decided in your life, I'm going to take this package I've been given and question everything in it? I mean, that's that's actually a that's either a bold <laughs> step of faith or it, some people do it because they lost faith. So, what was that journey, and what was that for you? I'm I'm. It's probably was is like a lot of other people who do the same thing. Like I, it was a process. I mean, I grew up in pretty extreme fundamentalism. I was like I, I was raised in independent fundamental Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I had Barbies burned in front of me to explain hell as a kid. Um, I went, you know, and I not only went, <laughs> I not only went to the church, but I also we went. We had a private school that was, you know, connected to the church, yeah. and so I was a part of the private school. Um, so. Uh, and in some ways, the school was worse than the church because the church was where we would learn about God, and the school was where people would enforce what we learned about God. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, like, I was, you know, drenched in it. Uh, and and I, I mean, so every time, like, we would, uh, like, I, I laugh about this now, but you know, one of the biggest arguments was music uh, growing up. Oh, and yeah. And and we we anything that had a drum beat, whether it was a country drum beat or a bluegrass <laughs> drum beat or um, you know a rock and roll drum beat, it 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 was considered evil. And slowly that began to change in my family, but it was always you know the same at the church. But even still, like we would argue over whether or not I could listen to somebody like Amy Grant or somebody like Sandy Patty, and it was that was a huge argument. Everything you questioned was a huge thing. Like, my mom and I had huge fights over her finding an Amy Grant CD underneath the front seat of my car and, you know, that that kind of stuff. So so when you grow up, literally, when, when questions lead to, like, family drama or personal drama, yeah. it is a the, – the, the, the move to change is, is slow – um, and, bec- and 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 it's very frustrating. I mean, you know, it's it's not an easy change. And I think that's why so many people who grew up in similar backgrounds as I do, they they choose that it's easier just to walk away from it completely because it is just they either engage it 
engage it wholly, or they just walk away from it. Um, there's few in-betweens. Yeah. There's something really interesting what you just said. I think from the culture, the Christian culture, uh, that, how old are you? No. 40, just turned 40. Okay. So we're, we're close to the same age. So we're, we grew up in a similar, I grew up in a brethren church and went to the Christian school that was started from that church. And, um, it, it's funny that what you described is the questions caused the drama, which really was that culture going back. It wasn't even the issues per se so much as if you even question it, now there's going to be drama because that, that indicates doubt or you're going the wrong way. And this generation is insisting that the questions be asked, which is probably foundationally a big part of the shift. Wow. Yeah. Totally. And that's, you're exactly right. And I just, I just remember, like, I, when I went away to college, I went to Belmont um, after I, – I did two years at a community college. Then I went to Belmont. And um, – I remember calling my mom, and we were talking, and and, it's, and over through a course of conversation, it came out that I had gone to see a movie, and oh, I'd yeah. never gone, I'd never gone to a movie before, mm-hmm. and my mom and my mom cried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like it was, so it's not just, so it wasn't just like somebody being mean and saying, "How dare you do something that is against what you were taught." It was. It brought up an emotional response. Like it was, there was a a, a, a fearful response to it, um, and and you know, and it's and it's so it's hard. It's hard to change and to move toward this Jesus that we want to know because we're afraid of that Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I I lived in fear. You know, I I remember like it was. Uh, I don't. I, I don't remember. You know, uh, I have a really oddly, oddly detailed memory of my childhood. Like I, um, people laugh at me, but I can remember very, very uh, intimate details about, like, you know, if somebody asks me, "Hey, you know, do you remember what we were doing at this and certain amount of time?" Like, I can usually dig into my brain and, and, and figure it out. Um, I never remember hearing about grace. Mm-hmm. in the church. I never remember hearing about helping the poor mm-hmm. or um, how to get along with people who I disagree with. Yeah. We always, like, we always created enemies, and we always, there was always a right way and a wrong way, and we were always on the right side of it. And so we, you know, um, I often say that I walked, you know, I started walking away from fundamentalism um, in 1993, I probably didn't fully walk away from fundamentalism until 2003, mm-hmm. and I probably it wasn't until like five years after that that I stopped being a fundamentalist. Um, like it, because it fundamentalism is that thing that it bleeds into every aspect of our life. It um it it, it always you know usually it starts with religion and. And even when you are not a religious fundamentalist, you can still be a relational fundamentalist. You can yes. still be a workplace fundamentalist. Like, and I just realized that I would respond to certain situations in my life the same way we I responded to, you know, a, a religion when I was when somebody disagreed with me. It wasn't that. It wasn't simply a disagreement. 
it was you are against me. You are my you like I I can't I I can't even interact with you. Mm-hmm. Um and I and and I you know it took took years to get past that. Mm. And Can lots you give, of therapy. From your book, because it was really interesting what you were saying this new book is about, uh, so many Christians believe stuff just because it was passed down to them. They don't know why they believe it. So they believe in the rapture, not knowing that idea is only, you know, 170 years old. And that's not the way people believe. And it's not that they have to stop believing those things, but to at least know where it comes from. And even the right. word fundamentalism, evangelicals, fundamentalism, you know, coming up through the Viola books, the fundamentals, and then, yeah, right. like, the, give us, give us a little piece for our listeners of this is where, where we came from. What is evangelical okay. fundamentalism? You know, um, fundamentalism uh, was, it was actually a term that was coined during, during the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, a, uh, a group of Christians from various backgrounds started writing um, these little pamphlets called the fundamentals, and it would all be on. They were they were all on various topics, um, but they were just core doctrinal beliefs um, that that they that somebody believed in, and that they would write, and they they became very popular. The the, the term fundamentalism um, or fundamentalist uh, was coined in the 1920s, and it was. During the uh, the Scopes trial, um, when we were fighting, when when the church started fighting against evolution being taught in the schools, when um, when the idea of humanism started to kind of bubble up in society, and people started fighting, um, you know, when the American way became the Christian way, and it was against you know anything that was looked looked or appeared to be socialism, anything that appeared to be you know. Um, Anti, anti-Americanism. Um, this, the, the 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 Christians got got called fundamentalists, um, and so um, it's it's a real it's, it's a term that you know while we use it to describe um, you know uh, I don't know Muslim fundamentalists or you know the the, the we, I've also I've heard people say you know that those who um, spearhead the gay agenda so to speak quote unquote. Um, they are they are fundamentalists, but but it truly is a Christian identified term that that I think to 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 use it outside of the Christian world is fine, but I still think that it, it has Christian roots, and I think that it's important to keep them <laughs> mm-hmm. because it reminds us where we came from, and it reminds us of the mistakes we've made, and to use that term against somebody else is is basically to, to, de- to deny our own tendencies. Yeah. So what about the word evangelical? Uh, evangelical. I'm not even, you know what? I'm not sure where that, I mean, I think that evangelical was, was not an American thing. It was, you know, there was, it, that was way back, long before, you know, I think even in the early, you know, people talked about being evangelical, you know, in the 400s, I mean, even. I don't, I don't think that that is, a truly American thing, and that's that's really the focus of the book. That uh, that me that that I really did start there w- with this whole like how God affected and how America affected God. Now the even like the American evangelical that became a um, an idea like you know during 
during like you know the John, Jonathan Edwards and you know that's when American evangelicalism started to form with uh, with uh, George Whitefield and uh, and Jonathan Edwards. George Whitefield was really the father of American yeah. evangelicalism yeah. Yeah. Um, during the early mm-hmm. 1700s, and you know, and he. Um, in my book, you know, it, it's just to, to go back and to, or to really see how he did things and how he shaped how mm-hmm. America was going to do things in the future was, was astounding. I'm sorry. I think I misunderstood your question in the beginning, so I apologize for no, that. No, I think that's, that's exactly uh, what I was asking. So in, in I, the, I think... No, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 please go. Um, as you were working on, on the new book, um, like what was it? What was one of the things that surprised you that you didn't know as you started doing research about kind of the American view of God and, and all this, um, like the history of the, I guess not history of the American church, but as you started working on that, like what surprised you? What, you know? I, I think the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating things um, was the Cane Ridge revival in Kentucky. Oh, yeah. And, and how that event in 1801 i don't know if anyone if you aren't familiar at this i'm um, a little revival. younger than that yeah <laughs> as as as, uh, as, um, as americans started to push west push westward and after the american revolution um revivals started popping up in 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 the midwest like in ohio and in illinois and in kentucky and in 1801 the largest revival um, happened in in a little place called Cane Ridge, Kentucky, and uh, this was where some estimates between twenty and twenty five thousand people gathered, wow. um, and these people were mostly made up of Methodists, Baptists, and and Presbyterians, uh, and and this during this one week in August of eighteen oh one, the 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 first person accounts suggests that God performed these absolute outrageous events where people would be one uh, one man describes uh, one man describes uh, watching and seeing a man be struck down dead and and he was all assu- all but assumed dead and 30 hours later he resurrected um, people got down on all fours and barked like dogs People, um, you know, uh, jumped around and, and you know, it, uh, jumped around and, and, and really engaged the Holy Spirit like they hadn't really engaged before. Now, mm-hmm. now these things weren't necessarily new, but to be that concentrated, to be the, uh, all, uh, you know, this happening all during at the same time, you know, um, even Jonathan Edwards um, talked about, you know, the whole, uh, the God Spirit coming in. And, and, and they're people getting the shakes or people, you know, having, I, he called them the affections. Um, and, and so when this happened in 1801, this was for, and for, for many of these people, was the first time they had ever encountered such a thing. And that really changed, that, that really helped to change America, um, the future of America, because lots of Presbyterians came to the Cane Ridge Revival and, and left not wanting to be Presbyterian anymore. In fact, Barton Stone, who was one of the preachers there, he came as a Presbyterian minister from Maryland. He left with lots of questions and ended up helping start the Church of Christ movement. Yeah. So, I mean, it is that, it's those little details of um, 
how, details in the in the story of America and, and the church that really uh, I, I found so fascinating and found so interesting and, and surprising. And I honestly, I'm embarrassed to say that I'd never heard of the Cane Ridge Revival before mm-hmm. researching this book. Mm-hmm. So, wow. and, and it's just like some of the things that happened are, you know, they're otherworldly. They're, they're, they're like, you, you, they were like, wow, how in the world did this happen? But it makes sense when you think that now we have churches that ex- that, that suggest that they experience gold dust dropped from the ceiling and, um, you yeah, know, that they're Sunday. raising, right, <laughs> that they're raising dead and, you know, raising the dead in their basements and stuff like that. I mean, like, you know, it, it makes sense. It kind of goes along with the American story of God. Hmm. Hmm. Now, Nate, I want to know what's going through your head because this is like, Right up your alley oh, in a lot of ways. Sure, you know, I, I too was raised by the Christian Taliban, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was more referring to your love of history and things. But yeah, yeah, you can I, go there if you want. <laughs> We're well, alienating people left and right. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, no, no, I love the story. Uh, I, I, I love uh, church history, and I love American church history. Um, and you know this is the, just it's been a, such a fertile place North America has been for the gospel sure. um, I mean we, we, we became the in many ways we became the center point of, of God for the world like from a Christian perspective or at least that's how we saw ourselves yeah. I mean yeah. um, it, it, you know after it's, it's it's amazing to go back and see how when you think about our evangelicalism today, to go back and study what people thought in the 1700s or what yeah. people thought in, you know, in the 1800s and to see, to watch the story shape, yeah. to watch the story break apart, to watch the story come back together. Um, you know, it's, uh, and it's really hard to go back and do that too because like it, um, it reminds me, like, of how, like, when, when you go back and you read what people said, um, you know, leading up to the Civil War, you know, mm-hmm. before, before we fought the Civil War, um, the, war about, or the war over slavery was happening in the church. Sure. It was it's happening in the church for 50 years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so to watch... You know, it was, uh, they were arguing and separating and, you know, like, uh, like discussing and forming, you know, that's, I mean, that's how the Southern Baptist Convention became, you know, became a, a reality mm-hmm. was because, you know, the, the, the Baptists, there was Baptists in the South and there's Baptists in the North and the Baptists in the South wanted to be able to own slaves. So they started their own convention and, you know, and while you know, it's um, so it's hard to go back and, and look at that. But then right, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking of a good catchphrase: Southern Baptist enslaving people since 18. 18- no, no. But uh, I just wanted to, you know, isolate you know, another group. What's, what's hilarious? <laughs> what's hilarious and yet sad is it took them. It took the Southern Baptist Convention 150 years before they issued an official apology yeah. for what they did yeah. and how they did it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? What people don't also don't understand is the uh, Southern Baptists. Many Southern Baptists, and I don't want to just blanket make a blanket statement about Southern Baptists. I'm just saying many Southern Baptists were also key antagonists during the Civil Rights Movement, mm-hmm. and that and it's because they they had a hundred years of history that 
led them to be that way. And, yeah. and it, you know, you don't get rid of that. Anything that God is infused into, like, you do not get rid of that easily. That is a long, the, 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 yeah. the turning around of that or the changing of that is a, is a long and usually very ugly battle. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing that strikes me, we talk about history, we take the long view of history and, and um, the progress of the gospel through history and around the globe. It's hard to believe that there was a time early in the life of the church when the heart of the church was in Syria, in Damascus. You know, there was a time, you know, uh, in the Middle East. You know, then, then kind of the heart of the Christian church for a good long while was in was in Italy, and uh, and then it was in Turkey, and then for a while it was in France. That's really where the gospel had the most life and the most power. For a long time, it was in Great Britain. Then it moved to the United States. I'll tell you where I think it's going next, and that's and I've seen firsthand the way the gospel is conquering China. It is phenomenal. Mm. Um, and and to, should we all get on a boat? But it's amazing to see the commitment of those believers. Uh, because in China today, the gospel is countercultural, but it's on its way to conquering the culture. I believe it will, in the same way okay. that it did here. But let's, adding to that, though, we're at a unique time in history. All the other times that you mentioned, uh, communication was slow to go from a nucleus right. and, and get out to another place. Right. Whereas today, what's happening in China can affect people in America, what's happening in America can affect, so it's such a global communication thing. Yeah. Uh, will there ever be a time like those other times you mentioned? Because the, the rules are all different. We yeah. can't even learn from history in the direct way we could have a hundred years ago. Yeah. 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 Wow, this is an Matthew, unusual You're podcast. smiling, you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very... <laughs> no, I was just going to say... The one thing that, like, the thing that makes the American story unique to so many of the other ways where God, to where God was, mm -hmm. is that the Americans viewed this world, even though it really wasn't the beginning, they viewed it as the beginning. Oh, it was, yeah. you know, even, they, they, it was the beginning of something big. Yeah. that they were in charge of yeah. um, and that, you know, that if you were a Native American, it was not a good news story for you. Like it was it, it, like they <laughs> they viewed it as um, as they were in control. Like I um, my, one of my favorite documents is um, the the sermon by the Reverend John Cotton, who preached um, it, and I, the, the name is the plant. Um, God's promises to his plantation. And it was basically the sermon that encouraged so many Puritans who were in doubt of leaving Great Britain mm -hmm. to get on the boat and go with John Winthrop across the, uh, the Atlantic and, 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 and start this new thing. Um, he, I mean, it, it, it's probably a, I don't know, a fifteen to 20,000 word document that that um, basically puts the Puritans, um, the way he speaks, is that he replaces, he takes the stories out of the Old Testament. And, and, you know, by the end of it, we're fighting Goliath with the Puritans. You know, like, we are, like, 
literally experiencing, re-experiencing biblical history, but instead of it being the Israelites, we are now like, we're the, we're the Puritans. And so to go back and read that document and to, and to see what, see the vision that he cast for the Puritans and for what they were going to do, um, it was, it's astounding. I mean, like he described it as that, that you know, we were, that they were going to go over and create this, that God was planning a mighty forest and that they were going to build a, a, this, this green, lush garden. And it was like, you know, he, you, you know, used very, very like descriptive words and, you know, um, and just described this beautiful thing that literally the, the vision Within three or four years of them being here, uh, you know, in 1930, um, it, it, uh, they are 1930, 1630, um, you know, it, 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 within several years of them being here, it began to crumble. And it, it but, but that was what started it. And that, 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 um, the, the elitist, the, the elitism that began during those times, that, those things stayed with us. And mm-hmm. so we often, um, you know, we just often have that view that we that we were the center of the universe, and we still, in so many ways, think that we're the center of the universe. Yeah. Even you know, if you were to talk to somebody else about what's going on in China, it's because of America. It's yeah. For for so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we need to wrap it up here, but I I hate I hate to bring the conversation to a close because we've opened up so many fascinating doors. Yeah. <laughs> But as somebody, I, I will tell you this, as somebody who grew up in an American church, who grew up, you know, looking uh, from the sanctuary at a platform that had an American flag on one side and a Christian flag on the other, um, it, it, it is for me still a difficult transition to remember that um, I'm a part of a body that is transnational, transcultural, transhistorical. Uh, that that's that's uh, <laughs> that uh, that actually includes uh, clouds of witnesses that we cannot presently see. It's transdimensional, uh, and that does not fit with the small view of the American uh, gospel that I was given. Well, and what's the tell us the title of the book? When it, has it been released yet? No, no. It, it comes out in July. It's called Our Great Big American God, um, A Short History of Our Ever-Changing Deity. Okay, but you got other great books. Out there. I especially enjoyed Churched, by the way. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Mem- yeah, memoir. And, yeah. and Hear No Evil? Yeah, and Hear No Evil. Yeah, Churched was a, uh, my memoir of growing up in fundamentalism and um, and certainly, and it really kind of changed me just because it changed style of writing I did and and really just um I don't know it 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 brought me into my own little spot in the world and just said hey this, I I just was really able to be free and write about what I wanted to write about um and uh and so like uh that's church and then after that I wrote Hear No Evil which was you know I, I wanted to be the Michael Jackson of Christian music for a little while so <laughs> forgive me for that so <laughs> <laughs> All right, and our listeners can find you at, at uh, michaelpaulturner.com. MatthewPaulturner. Matthew yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Michael you, Jackson. You were trying to name him. That's what I was doing. The Michael Jackson of Christian music. John Michael Talbot. Uh, of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so now that everyone's oh, thoroughly confused. Your age. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, Matthew Paul Turner at uh, dot com. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, terrific. Uh, and we'll be back in just a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And we are back, but not for long, because it's time to close the show. There's no spies or anything? Help me out with this. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So we, we're actually going to be uh, not recording for the next two weeks so that we can have some jolly Christmas fun. Even Newton, because now he has a tree. I have a tree. Not Mondo, because he's got nothing. <laughs> he has all of the trees. Yeah. <laughs> he the owns trees the trees on a thousand hills, yes. So so, <laughs> so we will see you in three weeks. Please send us uh, a note if you have any thoughts on previous episodes or uh, have some thoughts just about life or what you want us to talk about. PirateMonkRadio at gmail.com. That's PirateMonkRadio at gmail.com. And we will talk to you soon. Hear me, hear me.